Outside the Shoot would like to thank one of their sponsors, the Lynx at Penn Hills. If you're a golfer, you're going to want to check out the Lynx at Penn Hills in Shubenacadie, Nova Scotia. With nine holes wide open situated along the beautiful Shubenacadie River, and the other nine tucked into woodland, this Les Ferber design is a challenge for the best of golfers. Located just 15 minutes from the Halifax Stanfield International Airport, the Lynx at Penn Hills has become one of the best courses in Nova Scotia. For more information or to book a tee time, go to lynxatpennhills.com. Hey, hey, everyone. Happy Monday once again. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to episode 18 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. This week's OTC Player of the Week comes to us from Chino Hills, California, as Bella Fuentes takes home the weekly honors. Bella had three home runs in three games over the weekend to help lead her OC Batbuster squad at Rotary Park in Bullhead City, Arizona. Great job, Bella. On to this week's guest, and speaking of Arizona, we sat down and chatted with former Arizona Wildcat, ESPY Award winner, and current Wildcats assistant coach, Taryn Mowat McKinney. Taryn's list of accomplishments at U of A are extensive, as she holds or shares eight school pitching records, including wins, innings pitched, and strikeouts in a season. She helped the Wildcats to back-to-back national championships in 2006 and 2007, and will forever be remembered for the amazing 2007 World Women's College World Series where she pitched 60 innings with 76 strikeouts and four shutouts to take home the national title, along with the Most Outstanding Player Award. A few weeks later, she would win the 2007 Female Athlete of the Year at the ESPY Awards, becoming the only softball player to ever pull off that feat. We're going to talk to Taryn about that epic year, along with how she got started in the game, a fantastic story on how she got that amazing dress for the ESPYs, and now her love for coaching at U of A. Taryn was an absolute treat to talk to and one of my favorite interviews so far. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I got the world in my palm. Here we go. Taryn, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. How's things in sunny Arizona today? Um, they're hot, but they're very, very good. <laughs> oh, yeah? What, what's the temperature down there today? Today, it's actually been pretty cool. I think the last time I checked, it was 91 degrees. Oh, yeah, a little cool. Uh, <laughs> which is great for us. <laughs> yeah, for you guys. That'd be a, that'd be a, a scorcher here in, here in Canada. <laughs> so... How was the how was the summer? A little little different summer than than what you're used to. It was incredibly different. In fact, this is the most time I have ever had to just do nothing, hmm. and I didn't really know what to do with my time, so I just did a lot of puzzles. Oh wow! <laughs> That's a, my 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 grandmother loved doing pu- puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I was like an old lady this summer. Um, I, I would watch you know games live streamed um to recruit but i was doing it while i was doing puzzles and it was uh it was interesting <laughs> right all right well uh 
tell us about uh, growing up in Corona, California and getting your start in the game. Uh, so I, I moved to Corona, California when I was in sixth grade. Um, I originally grew up in Orange County, the um, Cypress, Buena Park area. Okay. And, um, but yeah, so I moved to Corona um, as it was becoming really kind of a city that was, they'd started building a lot there. And so my parents moved us there and bought our first house. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. It was... Um, a little bit different living there than Orange County, um, but it, it was it kind of set me up, you know, with the desert kind of weather. So we were inland Empire area, and it got hot there, and it got about as hot as it does there that it than it does in Arizona. So oh, wow. it, it was, yeah, no, it got really hot in Corona. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you did you play your majority at the like Santiago High School? like the program there? I did. So, um, I went to high school at Santiago. Um, but at the same time in travel ball, I was playing in orange County still with the Batbusters. Okay. Okay. So what, uh, was, I guess my question is, was Arizona always on your radar or, or were there other schools that, that you were looking at as well? Um, Arizona was the first school that I ever wanted to play at. Um, but there were other schools I was looking at. So a little bit about my background. Um, my pitching coach was Doug Finch and the last name might be recognizable. Uh, so Doug is Jenny's dad. And I started pitching with Doug, uh, when I was seven years old. And oh, so, wow. Wow. yes. So he has been my pitching coach pretty much my entire life. So I grew up um, watching Jenny play in, you know, high school um, and then in college. And so Arizona was always relevant to me. And um, I remember my, it must have been my sophomore year in high school in 2002, I had gone to Jenny's senior weekend. So I, that was the first time I went to Arizona's campus and I watched her senior and her senior day when they, you know, gave flowers and everybody cried because the seniors are, it's their last, you know, regular season game. Um, And so Arizona was always very special to me. And so that was always on my radar. Um, But at the same time, I wanted to check out all of my options, but at the end of the day, it was always going to be Arizona. Right. So what was your first impression of the campus and, and Hillenbrand Stadium when you when you saw it? it? It's unlike anything else in the country or in the college softball landscape. I mean, the fans, the fans that were there when I was a sophomore in high school are the same fans that were there when I played. And they're the same fans that I got the job back at Arizona were the ones coming into my office to say hi and congratulate me. They're the same fans. Yes. They're the same fans that I talk to. um, I wouldn't say on a regular basis, but I talk to, you know, on a monthly basis just to check in with them. And it's like, they watched me grow up from when I was 15, 16 years old Till now I'm 34. So they literally watched basically my entire adult life and um, they're just so invested. So it's so different than anywhere else in the country or in the college landscape. And 
um, just being on campus, sitting in the stands and watching a game and seeing how invested these fans are is it's you almost can't describe it. And especially now that we have the new stadium that we have. Right. Uh, it just takes on a whole nother level. Yeah. Well, geez, that's a, that's quite a loyal fan base right there. <laughs> oh yeah. There, I remember, I still have um, scrapbooks that they've given me letters. I keep all of that stuff with me that uh, I've been given over the years um, from fans, both as a player and now as a coach. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so tell us about the, the first season. Like, do you remember that first game against Kansas Jayhawks? Absolutely. Yeah. How, what, what was going through your head? Uh, I was nervous. Very, very nervous. So I remember my first game in the fall, um, pitching in the fall and I actually didn't even have my Jersey yet. I was number 21 in the fall because my Jersey wasn't in yet, but I remember my first game as a freshman against Kansas. And I remember it being a night game. Um, I remember at one point there was a hit to right field and I went to back up home and I didn't do a great job and it hit, the ball had gone into the dugout. So another runner had scored. Um, but I remember getting the win. So that was great. But it was one of those things where it was like, survive as a freshman, your first game, and then you can get all the nerves out of the way from there. Yeah, exactly. I was going to add, like, was it an eye-opening experience and like, were there growing pains along that season? There were definitely growing pains. I actually, um, I started out the year pretty well, um, as a freshman. And I mean, anytime you have an Alicia Hollowell, um, who's an all American was on the USA team. Any, anytime you have somebody to learn from like that, you don't have to feel the pressure as much because in all honesty, as a freshman, she can bail you out of any bad situation that you're in. Um, so, um, having her as our ACE, I was able to kind of go out there and just kind of live through those growing pains. And um, I remember that year, the only game that I lost was against Michigan. Uh, I got hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. It, it was early on in the season at the Cal State Fullerton tournament. And I got pretty, I got hit pretty hard, um, but we ended up losing that game to Michigan. And that was the only game that I lost that year. Um, and they went on to win the world series that year. So it, it was definitely, you know, getting your feet wet and, um, I learned a lot from my freshman year moving forward. Right. Well, I guess if you're going to lose to a team, it's it's always best to lose to the ones that's going to win, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, on to your sophomore season, you you broke out with a career best ERA whip and, and strikeout ratio. What was it about the second season that started to click for you? I got more comfortable, honestly. Um, and I felt like the coaching staff was more comfortable with me. I mean, it's hard to rely on somebody that you aren't familiar with. Mm. And as a freshman, the coaching staff isn't incredibly familiar with you um, in terms of what you can do at the next level. And at that time, um, gosh, this is going to make me sound really old, but at that time in travel ball, you went from pitching from 40 feet. And then the first time you ever pitched from 43 feet was in college. So, Right. You never knew as a coaching staff what these pitchers can do at the 
collegiate level because you've never seen them pitch from 43 feet. Um, and so my sophomore year, I just felt like they were more comfortable with what I could do. And they had some data and some stats on um, what I could bring to the game. And so I, I had a little longer of a leash in terms of being in games and 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 I think that what helped was that Alicia had been, you know, kind of the ace since her freshman year and she needed some rest and I was able to re- provide that rest for her and kind of take some of those um games that she would ha- would have had to pitch the years before I could kind of take some of those innings away from her. Right. So well the the rest must have helped because I mean you guys you went on to a national championship. You you were used mainly as DH, weren't you? Yeah. So I actually say that that, that national championship was way more fun than my junior year. Because <laughs> um, as a DH, you just have to hit. You don't have to worry about anything else. Um, the, uh, and then the next year pitching every game, that was mm. it's a little bit more stressful. But I didn't start hitting that year until um, almost conference had started. and. We, we didn't have a very big roster. Um, we had some injuries. And one day at practice, we're in the middle of the season, um, right before Pac-10 started. And coach came up to me. He goes, when was the last time you picked up a bat and played the outfield? I was like, um, I played the outfield my freshman year in high school. <laughs> and then the last time I hit was in high school. And he goes, yeah, I need you to take uh, BP and I need you to take some fly balls in the outfield. And um, it ended up working out. And I was very unconventional as a hitter. Uh, I would never teach <laughs> what I, how I hit. I, I mean, I was literally like the bat would be on my shoulders. The pitcher would get the sign and I would just lift the bat off my shoulders. And if the ball was over the plate, I would swing. <laughs> Didn't you hit a home run in the final cell? I did. I did. Well, you must be doing something right. Well, you know, um, as a hitter, when you're seeing the ball big, you don't get to choose the time of the season that you're seeing the ball big. Yeah, I guess. Fortunately yeah. for me, postseason, I was seeing the ball very big as a hitter. And so at the World Series, I I ended up being the DH. I didn't even pitch at all in the World Series. I was just the DH. and the ball was really big to me and I don't know what it was, but yeah, I I think maybe there wasn't a lot of information on me as a hitter. Right. So nobody knew how to pitch to me. And (laughs) if the ball was going over the plate, I was swinging. That's awesome. (laughs) That must've been a pretty surreal feeling though, to like to win a national championship in your, you know, in your sophomore season. It was amazing that, that year in general, um, I mean, it had been since 2001, um, since Arizona had won a world series and it it was just, I don't know. We had worked really hard. We had gone through a lot of stuff that year, especially having such a small roster. Um, in fact, in the game against Texas, um, our second run that we scored was a soccer player, um, she was pinch running on third base and she stole home. What? And so, yes, it was, it, there's so many stories from that year that 
like you tell them and they just don't sound believable, but our roster was so small um, that year. And we just kind of pieced together this national championship run. And it just goes to show like if you have great team chemistry and you have talent, um, you don't need a ton of players on the team. You just need a core group of players that are bought into one, one consistent and one same goal. And that, I feel like that's what we had that year. Um, and everybody who was called upon, no matter what their role, uh, was willing to contribute in whatever role. I mean, I played the outfield that year and I played first base at one point and then I pitched also, and I was the DH and it was just, what does the team need? And that was everybody on the team. It was, what does the team need to be successful? Right. And that's, that's really, I think how we won that year. And, and we kind of peaked at the right time. Well, I said it on here. Like I said it a few times on here. I think, I think team chemistry can go further than, than, you know, you having the best players on the team. But I mean, if you have the best players on the team, and you don't get along, you're not going to win. So I said, th- I think mm-hmm. team chemistry is, is the biggest thing you can have. So, so the player that the soccer player that you mentioned, did you guys just pick her up and say, you know, you're, you're coming on the team to run? Yeah. I mean, she, she had just finished her senior year with a soccer team. Um, she had played softball, I believe in high school. Um, she was married at the time too. And she, um, we had kind of like scoured the athletic department to see if anybody had played softball. And she was like, yeah, I'll do it. And she came in and it wasn't like she was just there to run. I mean, that's kind of what her role was, but she would go through practice um, as an outfielder. She would take BP just in case. Mm. Um, And so she kind of like, I mean, she was, she did everything that every single player on the team did, but her role was pinch running and she got really, really good at it. <laughs> and she was fast. That's awesome. Like that's a, that's a great story. I mean, <laughs> you're going to university uh, like for soccer and then you win a, a softball <laughs> national title. Like that's unreal. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Now on to the junior year. That's a, quite a year to remember for you. Uh, do you think, do you think the national championship and the year you had statistically in your sophomore year set the stage confidence wise for you going into that season? Um, I think so. I always had the confidence in my ability. I just always knew that I had to wait my turn. Right. Right. And I think that's kind of a rare thing that you see in this day and age. Um, just with how travel ball has kind of changed a little bit. And um, anybody, anytime you pitch on a travel ball team, you're the ace. I knew coming in that I was not going to be the ace in the beginning. I knew that I had to wait my turn. It doesn't mean I wasn't going to try to be the ace, but I knew that I had to wait my turn. And my junior year was my turn to prove myself. And I learned a lot my first two years about what it takes. So it was kind of great. Like you can, you can fail and the spotlight's not on you when you're not the ace, Mm. you can still be disappointed, but you're not under scrutiny as much as you would be 
especially at a program like Arizona, when you're expected to win every year, you're just not under scrutiny. So you kind of have a little bit of leeway to fail a little bit, um, and learn. And so then by my junior year, um, when I became the ACE, I felt like I had the knowledge that I needed to have to go into that season. Right. Right. I didn't start off great though. I started off terrible. Oh, did you? The first, oh, the first weekend. So in the past, um, the team that won the year before the first initial ranking, they were just automatically number one in the first polls for the following year. Right. And so we started out the arranged number one, my first weekend, um, I pitched in every game that weekend. We played six games and I pitched in every game. Uh, I didn't start every game, but yeah. So I pitched and I I personally, I gave up the two games that I lost that weekend. I gave up walk off home runs. Oh no. And yeah, I know. (laughs) Tell me about it. My thoughts exactly. I I know what you're saying. I'm a pitcher as well. So I know, I know exactly how you feel. And I've given up right? a You're lot of like, walk-off oh, home no. runs. <laughs> yeah. Well, this weekend in particular, every single run I gave up was a home run. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I believe it was off the top of my head. I know two, the two games that I lost were both walk-off home runs. But off the top of my head, I believe I gave up four home runs in that one weekend. Oh, no. So what what do you yeah, think what I are you know. thinking at that point like after the weekend's over like what's going through your head? I was devastated. Mm. Um and we the tournament we opened up in Tempe, Arizona, um in a tournament and so we're driving back to Tucson. It's like 2 hours. And the whole time I'm just trying not to cry. Yeah. <laughs> and and um it, it was, I just knew, I was like, I, I know that I have it in me, but this was a rough, it was a very rough weekend. And the newspaper articles were like, she doesn't have what it takes to be the ace, um, blah, blah, blah. And I, I tried not to look at the newspaper articles, but mm-hmm. when you're 19, 20 years old, I mean, you read never. You, you kind of, yeah, you read them. Yeah. And especially in Tucson, if you can't do anything in Tucson as a U of A athlete and it not, it gets written about. Right. And so I just remember being really sad <laughs> and, um, and I knew, so the last game of that weekend, I had given up a walk-off home run to Texas, Texas A&M who was number two in the country and they were coming to play a three game series against us two weeks later in Tucson. And so, I mean, it wore on my brain a little bit, but I, I knew, um, personally, and I mean, my best friends are on the team. We knew as a team that just that first weekend is a growing pain kind of weekend. Right. Right. But nobody else on the outside knew what we were capable of. We never doubted ourselves. Mm. Other people did. Right. Well, so we'll go, we'll go on to the, to, to the, 
World Series, and you threw 60 innings. You had 76 strikeouts, four shutouts on your way to back-to-back national titles. Uh, maybe walk us through the tournament up to the finals against Tennessee. It was tiring. Oh, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> that, that my, was one my of body. The my body's weeks. aching just thinking of it right now. <laughs> right. That was one of the funnest weeks of my life, but it was definitely the most exhausting week of my life. Mine is my wedding week. That that week was exhausting as well, but that World <laughs> Series was that week was incredibly exhausting, but so fun. Mm. Um I have so many stories. I could tell you down to the last detail of what happened that week, um, down to the places that I ate at for lunch, to what happened in the games, or what happened in the hotel room with my roommate. Wow. Yeah. So I have a, I have you, a very good memory. Yeah. I, I tend to, too, but I... I don't think I'd remember where I ate, but... Uh, <laughs> my question... You guys were down... Like you guys lost to Tennessee early in the tournament, didn't you? We lost the second game of the tournament to Tennessee, and it was kind of an interesting game because um, our first game of the tournament the night before, we were the last game of the day against Baylor, and we went uh, we went extra innings against them. And so the next day we came to play Tennessee. Well, there was the game before us. There was like lightning delays and so we didn't actually start our game against Tennessee until about like 11 11 30 at night so we didn't finish our game until 1 30 2 a.m in the morning oh no wow yeah and so <laughs> and so we ended up losing and because we lost we had to come back and play the next day whereas the winner gets the day off whoa that's tough it, it was yeah, it it was difficult. I mean, we had sat around all day for this game warming up and then there was a delay um in the game before us and then playing Tennessee and it was I mean, it was a one nothing game um against them that we didn't even get back to the hotel until like two AM. Wow. So after uh, when you guys lost that game, what was the feeling like? Were you guys like, okay, well, we gotta, we gotta buckle up now and 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 go to work. Honestly, the feeling was, all right. Well, we've done this before. We've been in this position where, you know, um, we, we've got a lot of work to do, and we're just, we're not gonna think ahead. We're just gonna do the work. Hmm. So. <laughs> Who who did you were you guys facing you guys had to face Washington after that, didn't you? Daniel Laurie? So we played DePaul the next day. Um DePaul had lost to Washington on day one and so they had a a day off and then when we faced them they had won their first game of the day. We faced DePaul um and that was Saturday. And then the next day on Sunday we um, had to beat Washington twice to make it to the championship series. Oh, you had to beat them back to back, did you? Oh. Mm-hmm. And we had just faced them the last weekend of the season in conference. Ooh, wow. 
it's a little, a little bit of a rivalry there, but by the end of it, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so you make to the finals. You're against uh, Tennessee, Monica Abbott. Uh, you drop the first one after after the that first game after the first game of the finals. There, what uh, what was the mindset going into game two? First game was tough because of the whole weekend, that was the one game that was kind of a blur to me. Um, I just remember none of my pitches were working. Um, I remember giving up two home runs and that's actually, so that's how I know that I gave up 28 home runs that season, which is a lot. And the way that, yeah. So I gave up a home run early in the game and on the jumbotron, they had um, put on the broadcast of what was showing on ESPN, and under the thing it said twenty seventh home run given up this season. Well, I ended up giving up another home run later that game, so that's why I know I gave up twenty eight home runs that season. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember after that game, uh, we got on the bus, and when we got back to the hotel, I got off the bus, and my mom was there and I just cried. I just bawled. Oh. And I was and I sort of said, I'm so tired. Well imagine. I'm just so tired. <laughs> right. And I just didn't know how else to express how tired I was. But I also knew that no matter how tired I was, we were gonna have another game the mm. next day. So I just had to get it out and the next morning I woke up, um, I went to lunch with my family. I went shopping, not for anything in particular, just to not do something softball. Yeah. Clear your mind. And yeah. And we had another game and as tired as I was, naturally we went 10 innings. So that made sense. <laughs> you know, to of course. Pitch, pitch three extra innings. <laughs> 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 and then when we won, it was like, okay, well, the next game, no matter how tired you are, you're going to have to pitch. So you might as well win. Might, might as well. Um, because no matter what happens, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pitch another game. Yeah. Well, tell, <laughs> tell us about that, that last game. I, I watched clips of it and I mean, you were dealing, you got out to, you guys, you got out to a five, nothing lead there. And you, there's uh the, I think it was the seventh inning. I uh, what yeah, the seventh inning, you were, you threw a curveball that, I was just like, how did you have that in you to throw that? Finally, I threw a good curveball. <laughs> so, <laughs> so everybody talks about my changeup, um, and that was the actual saving grace of the entire tournament. But throughout the year in my career, my curveball has, in my opinion, has always been my best pitch. Hmm. But during the World Series after um, – I would say after game two, game three, uh, my finger had split open again. So throwing the curveball was not as much of an, it wasn't like a go-to pitch for me because it, um, I would bleed if I would throw it, yeah, I know what you my mean. finger. And so it wasn't a viable option, um, but it was over the course of my career, my best pitch. And so that last game, the the score I feel like is deceiving because yes, we won five nothing, but we scored all five runs in the fifth inning. <laughs> and so Oh, that's uh, right too, yes. 
Yeah, and so those those first, uh, and we were the home team, so it was the bottom of the fifth inning. So those first five innings, I, I think I loaded the bases a couple times probably. Um, there were runners on base almost every single inning. And um, we score the five runs, and it's kind of like a relief because I mean, you have a little bit of leeway. Well, naturally – we score five runs in the bottom of the fifth and the sixth inning. I load the bases up with two outs and a three, two count to the hitter. Oh. And if I'm now that I'm a coach, I'm looking back, I'm like, Oh, I would have been so upset with myself as a coach. I would have been cursing my name out there on the mound, <laughs> Like, what are you doing? We just took a five, nothing lead to win the national championship and you loaded the bases yeah. <laughs> like what uh did you ask did you did you ask coach Candrea like now what was going through his head no. then? oh okay absolutely not too terrified to know yeah. <laughs> too terrified to know what was going through his head. he probably wanted to ring my neck like what is she doing <laughs> yeah oh that's funny but but yeah so we we ended up getting out of that inning in the sixth inning and um in the seventh inning it was kind of like we knew we were going to win but we still couldn't relax because we just had to you have to finish it anything crazy can happen Mm -hmm. but I had thrown so many screw balls in to in the hitter was Tanya Callahan in that seventh inning that I threw the curveball to but I had thrown her so many times inside and I saw the call for the curveball. I was like, okay, this needs to be your best curveball, like of the week. Yeah. Uh, and so, it it probably was my oh, best curveball. It was week. A, it was a deadly pitch. Like <laughs> she was she whiffed on that one. Like so when the when you guys won, I just watched the video back today actually, and I watched the celebration. I was like, oh no, don't hurt, don't hurt Taryn. Like you guys, like everybody piled on top. I was like. She's, she's gonna get hurt <laughs> oh i did a little bit i remember so janae our third baseman so she makes the play her and i we like hug everybody dog piles us her and i are at the bottom of the dog pile and my left my left cheek is on the ground in the dirt and her <laughs> right cheek is there and we're looking at each other and i said this hurts <laughs> this hurts can they get up already yeah that's hilarious yeah i watched it today and i was like oh geez that had to have hurt (laughs) it did yeah now you end up i'm going on to the sb awards here now okay you end up winning two sb awards and the big one being the female athlete of the year how amazing was that it so that that's one of the events of my life that i have a hard time describing because for me, it was so unexpected. I had never really heard of besties. I mean, in college, you don't really hear of besties, I guess. No, that's um, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I, I knew they were a thing, but I didn't know exactly what it meant. And um, after the World Series, I pretty much spent two weeks at home, just laying in bed and recovering. Icing yourself? <laughs> yes. Well, and the new Harry Potter, the last Harry Potter book had come out. Oh, so okay. 
I had to spend time reading that, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But um, I spent a couple of weeks just out of touch with the world and just kind of laying in bed and recovering. And Coach Kendrea calls me one day. And in my head, I see his number. I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Am I in trouble? <laughs> like I was scared. I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> but he calls me and he tells me, he goes, um, I just want to let you know that you're probably going to be nominated for an SB. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, well, what would I be nominated for? What are the categories? <laughs> uh, I, I had no idea. And so... I was talking to like some friends of mine. They're like, well, like maybe best championship play. I was like, oh, that makes sense. I mean, it was a championship series. That makes sense. Right. Um, but I, I think Peyton Manning actually won that one. I was never nominated for that. Oh, but damn Peyton. So then it, <laughs> right. So then it gets announced that I'm nominated for two SBs, best college female athlete and best female athlete. I was like, what? <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't really know how to react. And so I didn't, I didn't tell anybody when I found out. Um, and then as a team, we were invited um, to the white house to go yeah. meet president Bush. Um, and then we actually, after we met president Bush um, in the Rose garden, we walked down to the South lawn and um we coached like a t-ball game, which was really cool. Kate and I, and I always talk about how cool it is that Kate and I get to coach together now mm. um, because uh, just how far we've come. I mean, she, her and I coached this t-ball game on the South lawn. She, I've always said she's the greatest player that I've ever seen play um, ever. Mm. Um, and so it was just really cool. So we got to coach a t-ball game on the South lawn. And so after that, after our couple days in DC, we were at the airport and I finally told my best friend, Adrian Acton, who was our right fielder. I said, Adrian, um, I'm, I got invited to the ESPYs and apparently I need to buy like a dress, like a, a nice dress. <laughs> <laughs> so we found a place in the airport that sold evening gowns and in the airport, in the airport, this is in the airport in DC. And I tried on this gown and she was like, this is, you need, you need to buy this. And so I called my mom. Cause obviously I'm a college student. I don't have money. Right. I called my mom. I said, mom, um, Adrian says I need to buy this dress for the SBs. Can you put money in my account like right now? Or can you give me your card so I can buy this dress? So and she goes, is this the one? I said, Adrian says it's the one. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I bought my SBs dress at the airport in Washington, D.C. And... I think it was a really good purchase. That's an, that's an amazing story. That's awesome. <laughs> so what was the, uh, so when you did win, when you had to go up for your acceptance speech, what was that like? Terrifying. Oh, I imagine. <laughs> I have always been terrible at public speaking. 
um, especially back then. And so that couple of weeks tested me um, because I knew that I had to public speak a lot those couple of weeks. Right. Um, in fact, when we were when we flew back from Oklahoma City, we were on the bus and we were going to a celebration rally for us. And coach in our flight was at like four o'clock in the morning. So we were up very early and coach comes up to me. He goes, you have an interview on the phone with ESPN, Mike and Mike in the morning. And so I talked to them that morning. He goes, and also you're going to speak to the fans that are at McHale, our basketball arena that were waiting for us. You're going to speak to them. I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm terrified. I don't like public (laughs) speaking. (laughs) And then, and then after that, um, when I found out about the ESPYs in my head, I was like, there's no way I was going to win, but I needed to be prepared just in case. So I kind of started in the hotel room the night before I tried to write something, but I'm like, this is going to be so it's not going to be genuine if I write it down and read from a piece of paper. Right. So in my head, I just wrote down who do, who are the people that I would like to acknowledge and whatever comes out of my mouth from there, let's hope it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I really didn't think I was going to win. And so when they announced the category, and I had no idea. They don't tell you if you're going to win or not. I was on an aisle seat sitting behind Justin Verlander, and um, he was in the seat in front of me. Um, and so I'm sitting there, and before the category got announced, somebody, some uh, camera crew guy came up to make sure I was sitting in my seat. I was like, yeah, I'm here. This is weird. <laughs> okay. And in front of, I mean, you had Justin Verlander in front of me and then in front of him was Ryan Howard and I'm a huge baseball fan. Right. Um, but so I'm sitting there and they announce the category and they do like the video montage. And I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> like the video montage, like that's so cool. Yeah. And, um, Peyton Manning and Kate Walsh were the ones, um, that were presenting the award and Kate Walsh was the one who opened the card to say who won. And she paused and I was like, I'm the only one with a weird name on on this, in this category. So, Oh my gosh, this is me. (laughs) Like if you have to pause, this is me. You don't know how to pronounce my name. This is cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I just stood up and I was like, okay. I'm going to walk up there and I'm going to try to give a speech and don't trip. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was my first thought was don't trip because they didn't have railings. Um, and so I walk up a couple steps and I go up to the, the microphone. Well, there's not a podium. So thank God I had a long dress because if I didn't have a long dress on you, you would be able to see my knees just shaking. shaking. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, just shaking like crazy. And so I'm standing up there I grabbed the award, which was way heavier than I thought it was going to be. And I look out into the audience and I see Shaq in the first. I'm like, okay, divert your eyes from that. And I see the entire New Orleans Saints um, 
team. I'm like, okay, don't look at that. (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) I'm trying to find just some, something I can look at without totally freaking out. And, and then I was, I took a second. I was just up there. Just, I knew that I was just talking to an audience that I needed to get my team's message out to. So it, it wasn't about me winning. I mean, yeah, I was the one who got the award, but it was really the whole team um, that did everything. And I think that I thanked all the right people. Mm. Um, Looking back, I'm kind of scared to go back and watch my speech again because I, (laughs) I, I get, like I said, I get nervous public speaking. And so I don't want to go back and critique myself, but right. It was it was a moment that I I thought that I did the speech well and I I hope that I thanked all the right people um, as terrified as I was but once I got off the stage um, it, I was like oh, I can breathe again yeah well that it was a huge and I even made a joke sorry go ahead I made a joke to Peyton Manning sorry yeah no, I made a joke to Peyton Manning because obviously he went to Tennessee and he had called the Tennessee players before the championship series, wishing them luck. And I got off the stage and I said to Peyton, I said, where was my phone call? (laughs) (laughs) He said, said, it it is like Southern accent. Well, you beat my big orange. (laughs) I was like, like, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry about that, Mr. Manning. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, that was, it does a huge moment for softball. Like that's, the only SB ever won in any softball category. So, I mean, that's, that's huge for the game. It it was, and I felt at the moment, it was a big moment for our sport. Um, But I felt it even more afterwards. So Lorena Ochoa, um, she was up for best female athlete of the year. And she was a golfer at Arizona and she came up to me and, uh, you know, us wildcats, we stick together, but she came up to me and, and congratulated me. And I just knew like softball players very rarely get nominated for that category. So for it to have um, gone to a softball player, I just felt like it was very visible um, in our sport no matter what age you were watching it. And I feel like, I don't know, it was kind of some hope that if you're a softball player, you can have the same ability to win an award that, you know, WNBA players, um, LPGA players, um, any female sport can, they can win that award. Yeah, for sure. Before we move on outside the shoot, we'd like to thank one of their sponsors, Prodigy Sports. Located at 9 Simmons Road in Bedford, Nova Scotia, Prodigy Sports is your leading supplier of team, league, and school sporting good products. Prodigy Sports prides itself in its unique working relationships with all the major name brands in the athletic industry and has an extremely close working relationship with sporting good manufacturers around the world. This combination makes Prodigy Sports your number one supplier of sports equipment, clothing, and supplies. Please join them by looking further into their website, prodigy-sports.com, and discovering the world of Prodigy Sports right at your fingertips. If you have any questions about their company or any of their products, please feel free to contact them at 902 
446-4645. Well, we'll move on to your senior year. No Coach Kondrea for for that year. Do we have to move on to that? Well, year? I know, I know. I just I just <laughs> yeah, want to touch on it because you know he's with the the Olympic team that year, correct? Yes, that, he was. That must have been a bit weird for all all your returning players. It, it was a little strange, but he wasn't too far from us. He would come to games and stuff, and um, he would come out to practice when he could. But I, I imagine it was very similar to the 2004 year. So Caitlin Lowe's year, um, her, Christy Fox, were our seniors that were freshmen when he was gone in 2004. Right. Um, I imagine it was the same. And it, it's definitely different, but it doesn't change the dynamic of the program and what is expected. Right. Um, yeah, I guess and still I, have and the same think, goal. Yes. The goal is still always the same um, because it's, it's not, it's not like, okay, your head coach is gone with the Olympics. So you get a free pass to just, you know, do whatever you want. It's the goal. It, it's bigger than the team. The program is always going to be bigger than the team and what he's built with the program. It's like, okay, even though he's gone with the Olympic team, the expectation is still the world series. Um, and I mean, that's been passed down generation to generation or team to team. And so it, it was definitely different, but I mean, the goal was always the same. Right. Well, speaking of coaching, you uh, you move on to coaching first with the uh, California Baptist University and then Ole Miss. Uh, you you turn the pitching around there in that program. You dropped two runs off the staff's ERA in just two years. What was the secret going in there? Going into which school? To, to Ole Miss. Okay, so um, I actually did not ever expect myself to be a coach, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do coming out of college. I played professionally a couple of years. And then I have a younger sister. She's seven years younger than me. And she had committed to Cal Baptist University. And when I, um, I was playing professionally for the Chicago bandits. And after the season, I was driving um, back to California from Chicago and I get a call it's like, hey, do you want to be uh, my college coach? And I said, absolutely not. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still playing. I don't want to coach. I'm, I'm not old enough. Yeah. Uh, but I really didn't have, I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I applied for the job at Cal Baptist and they said I get a salary. I'm like, what is a salary? I would like that. <laughs> I would like, uh, I, that sounds good. I like money. Uh, yeah. And my sister at the time, she was going to be a senior. And so she wasn't going to Cal Baptist till the following year. Um, and so I took the job and I loved it. I didn't realize how much I was going to love it. And it helps that my first year, the two pitchers that I had, were both seniors and they were phenomenal. That's awesome. I mean, they yeah. were, uh, they, I, they, the conference pitchers of the year, like they were just, they were that good. And so they made my life, my transition into the coaching world pretty easy to be honest with you. Right. And they're probably the reason that I, I still, I stuck with coaching. Um, 
but yeah, so I spent three years at Cal Baptist, um, and it was gratifying to be able to just help pitchers succeed because I feel like that was kind of what the um, younger generation, they were just missing the art of pitching. They were taught how to throw pitches, but they weren't taught how to pitch in a game like setting. And I just, the competitiveness, it was amazing. And I loved it. Um, and I did that for three years at Cal Baptist, which is the city next to where I grew up. And so I got to be with my family as well after years of being apart, um, living in a different state as them. Mm. And then I took a year where I said, I wonder if there's anything else I'm good at other than softball. So I moved to North Carolina and I got into marketing and advertising. And I quickly realized that there is not anything else I'm very good at other than <laughs> softball. <laughs> and, and so I, I did that for about a year. And one day at work, it, I was just online and uh, the pitching coach job at Ole Miss popped up on my emails. And I was like, oh, I'll apply. I was giving lessons at the time. Hmm. I applied and I got a call that night. and. I was like, okay, I guess I'm moving to Mississippi. <laughs> and, wow. uh, yeah. And so I moved there and I loved it there. Mm. It helped that um, our ace pitcher, Maddie Osias, my first year at Ole Miss, so she's from Southern California and her um, catcher, uh, Natalie Martinez, played with my sister so I kind of knew Natalie growing up and so it made me more comfortable choosing that job and it was just fun being able to take a group of players that didn't have expectations and teach them how to have expectations at the high right because once you expect to win it just changes everything Man. And so my time at Ole Miss, I was able to work with players that had talent, but they didn't have expectations at the highest level that they should have because they were never taught to expect to be the national champion. Right. And when I told them that, I said, you can be national champions. You just have, but if you don't ever expect it, it's not going to happen. And so, just their mindset changed. Mm. That must that must be pretty gratifying from a coaching standpoint. It is. It, it was one of the most gratifying things I've ever experienced. Um, just having that relationship with them too, and knowing that it doesn't just it's not just softball. It translates to what they do after softball. Right. Well, now on to your current job. You're back uh, with your alma mater, the Arizona Wildcats. Um, what's it like working along Coach Candrea? Terrifying. I still feel like a player. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's amazing. Um, I always so. When I got back into coaching, 
and I realized that I loved it, my, the wheels in my head started turning and I'm like, okay, how can I get back to Arizona? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I knew, um, as a player with coach, I wasn't always, I wouldn't, I wasn't irresponsible, but I wasn't the most responsible. I wasn't punctual all the time. I wasn't like, like a Caitlin Lowe. You can expect her to be on time, ready every single second of the day. I was not exactly that my entire playing career. Um, I grew up a lot and I had to grow up a lot more after I even graduated and, and I think for me, it was like, if I want to make it back to Arizona, I have to prove that I've grown up a little bit, um, and that I'm responsible. Right. And, and I really feel like coach was watching like, okay, she's doing this. She's doing this. She's ready because he's not going to bring somebody into back into the program that's not ready because he doesn't want anybody to fail. Mm -hmm. He wants to make sure he puts everybody in the best possible situation to, to succeed. And when I got the call about an opening, I was like, Oh oh my gosh, my life is about to change (laughs) for the best. This, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Right. And, uh, when, yeah, when I got back, um, my first day was October 17th. So my anniversary of coming back to Arizona is coming up. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was amazing and it was comfortable. I mean, I got back, we didn't even have to talk about what is practice going to look like? What are the signs? Um, because he does the same thing that he's been doing for 30 plus years. Right. Yeah. There was literally never a meeting of, okay, this is what practice is going to look like. These are our first and third plays. This is this. It's the same. Mm-hmm. So I, my first day I showed up and it was our last fall game. My first day was a game and oh wow. Yeah. And welcome um, welcome back. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Welcome back. We have a game. (laughs) Uh, But then we had a couple practices and it was, we didn't even skip a beat. It was like, Hey, we got first and thirds. I'm like, okay, so first and thirds, the signs I asked Kay, I said, the signs are, this is, she goes, yep, those are the same. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I said, when I call pitches, the pitchers know the signs. She goes, yeah, they're all the same. That's crazy. So it's a well-oiled machine. And and I think that's why he hires within because it, I mean, Arizona's a family. Right. Right. And I mean, Kate was in my wedding and we lived together in college and it's just, I don't know. It's just, you don't walk away from family. It's just, you, you have this tight knit community and, doesn't matter where you are in the country. If you're a wildcat softball player, I mean, your family. Yeah, exactly. So how's the team looking going forward? Great. Um, We're in a a very fortunate situation where when COVID hit and our season got canceled, um, we had six seniors 
that are all starters. And then um, Deja, she was having to redshirt because she's on the Olympic team. Um, and all seven of them have come back. So now we have seven seniors that are all Americans and Olympians. Oh, wow. Yes. That's, that's yeah. pretty positive going forward. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And, and because they were going to be graduating our freshman class, we brought in eight players that were going to replace them last or this next year that are all phenomenal as well. And so the great thing is now they get to learn from our seven all Americans slash Olympians. Right. And it's, it's, it's a really cool dynamic because they're just, they're all so talented, uh, but their experience levels are different. But now you have this super senior class that can help teach the traditions and the experiences to this freshman class. And so I think we're in a good place. Um, I think our school has done a great job with the protocols for COVID. And so we're able to continue practicing in a safe environment. Um, But, you know, everything's unstable and we're just taking it day by day. But I think we've done a, a really good job with that. That's awesome. Good. Well, we have a thing that we do here on the on the podcast. We finished okay. up where it's like a, a a player association thing. I'll throw it a name, and you uh, you can do your talking about them. Okay, so I'm going to throw out some names here for you. Uh, okay. My first one's uh, Alicia Hollowell. That damn rise ball <laughs> <laughs> in scrimmages. She would throw that to me, and I couldn't. I had to swing. <laughs> but she was also our grad assistant and the one phrase that comes to me when I think of her is fake it till you make it. Okay. As tired as I was, she would say fake it till you make it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, second on the list, we touched on her a little bit here. Uh, Caitlin Lowe. Best player ever. Yeah. Wow. Ever. In my opinion. Um, best player I've ever seen in person best player I've ever played with her and her husband have the cutest kids I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Um, and she's, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a game, if it's practice, if it's motherhood, if it's just your daily life, she's so consistent. Awesome. Uh, next one's Adrian Acton. Oh, my maid of honor. (laughs) I love Adrian. Um, she's, always there for me. I, I don't even know how to explain her because we came in as freshmen together and we spent the four years in college together. We were roommates on the road in the hotel room and yeah, she, I mean, it's Adrian. <laughs> and she picked out your SB dress. Yes. <laughs> she, she picked out my dress. I would, I probably would have picked out something horrible. <laughs> she was like, yeah, yeah, this is what you need to go with. <laughs> uh, uh, next one is uh, Chelsea Messa. Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea was my other maid of honor. So I had two and her, Adrian and I, we were like, the three of us. I was the blonde in the the group and they were the two brunettes. But Chelsea 
taught me about life. She taught me how to just not be so focused on one thing and just have fun. And Chelsea, I could tell her anything. I I think she is probably one of the greatest human beings I've ever met, if not the greatest human being I've ever met. Awesome. Uh, Next one's Alyssa Denham. Denim, that old Texas girl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Denim is, oh, she's just a blessing in disguise for me. Um, my first year at Arizona, I came in in October in pitching options wise, we didn't have a lot. And Denim arrived in January. And she did not throw very hard, but she was like six, one arms and legs for days. Mm. And I'm like, I can do something with this. And we completely changed her as a pitcher. She was a rise ball pitcher before didn't even have a drop ball. Now she's a drop ball pitcher. Denim and I have really, really bonded more so than a lot of the pitchers that I've had that we've bonded just because in a time that we both needed somebody, she was that per she was that college pitcher that I needed. And I don't want to speak for her, but I think I was that college or that college coach that she needed right. just to better each other. Awesome. Like did when she came into the part, wasn't she thrown in the fifties and now she's in the seventies? I think I come across that. Her first bullpen when she showed up in January, her first bullpen, I clocked her at 58 wow. miles per hour. She's now in the upper 60s, like 68, 69. Wow. That's, that's incredible. It, and I don't, I don't even give myself like the credit for that. It was just one, she had had some time off, but there was just a few little tweaks that we did and um, we just kind of changed what her main pitch was to, I mean, if you're six, one, six, two, and you have the perfect drop ball spin, you might as well throw a drop ball. Yeah, really? <laughs> and if there was just a couple of tweaks, but she has really been one that she doesn't question what you're trying to do. She she wants to be better and yeah so she she's special awesome very special and my last one is uh, a, a former North Carolina catcher named Brittany McKinney <laughs> yes <laughs> oh she um, changed my life yeah um, one I thought I was going to retire. A long, long time ago. And so my last year playing, she uh, taught me a backdoor curve. And I wish I would have met her a lot sooner in life because if I had a backdoor curve, it would have been great. But that's not how she changed my life. She just changed my life (laughs) for being just the most amazing person. Um, And she obviously married her. And uh, she's allowed me to kind of just be the person that I want to be mm-hmm. and not the person that I have to be uh, in the softball world. I mean, she 
watched me play. She was a freshman. I was a senior. That sounds makes me sound old, but we're only two years <laughs> apart. We're only two years That's apart. Not much. <laughs> but she just changed my world in the sense that um, I've always kind of shied away from conflict in the public and she's one that she'll stand up for herself and she'll stand up for me. And she's made me a stronger person. And wow, you really saved this till the end to make me a little emotional. <laughs> but no, <laughs> but no she, she's, uh, I mean, I can't, I can't say more about her other than she's literally, she's a firefighter that was the first female firefighter in the County when we moved to Mississippi um, and this was 2015. I don't know. Oh, wow. How wow. How that's even a thing. Yeah. How in 2015, you're the first female firefighter in the county. Yeah, really? Um, yeah. And then, and that was after I moved her to, like, we lived in North Carolina and we moved to Mississippi and, um, yeah, first female firefighter in the county. And then I was like, hey, we're going to move to Tucson. Um, then we moved here and she got a job here and she's already been promoted, um, as an engineer. Um, but she, she's just so smart and she was a commentator actually in, when I was at Ole Miss and you can cut me off at any time if I'm no, over. Nope. Keep going. Time. <laughs> okay. Um, when, when I was at Ole Miss, she was the commentator for our games. So if you ever go and watch our Ole Miss games on the ESPN app, um, she was a commentator oh, wow. for okay. those games. In this past year, she was actually signed up to do multiple games on the ACC network for softball because she's really good at commentating. She's just so smart right? when it comes to softball when it just comes to well, most catchers are, aren't they? Like catchers are. are smart. I try not to give them credit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, no, they're great. They do call the game for us some of the time, but yeah, uh, yeah, no, she. I mean, she's somebody that she understands the game, um, and she's somebody that. When she was in college, she was a very good player. She's a great player. Mm -hmm. But when she got to the pro league, she became even better and was like on the all NPF team. And um, she just continues to learn. And I think that helps me as a coach. She's actually the one in my ear that is always challenging me to continue to learn. Because in my head, I'm like, well, yeah, this always works, mm -hmm. but she continues to challenge me kind of like the devil's advocate. Like, well, what if you don't get this call? What are you going to do? Right. I'm like what? Well, I'm going to get the call. She says, well, but what if you don't? <laughs> <laughs> type of situation. And uh, yeah, she'll be in this stand and she knows every single rule. Cause she coached D one before I was ever even a coach. Okay. Before she became a firefighter, she was a, a Division One college coach, and she'll be in this stand, and she'll be on the umpire like, "You're set up wrong. That's the wrong call." <laughs> <laughs> she knows every rule. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It, it's it's so fun having that. Oh yeah, for sure. As somebody 
like, and she loves being that person that can help everybody else, even though she's probably the smartest person in the room. She uses that to help everybody else in their profession. So like I can get the calls right when I'm calling that type of stuff. And it's, I just admire who she is and what she brings to the table and what she challenges me and other coaches to do. And also just, what a great person she is. And she's gorgeous. Yeah. Let's be honest. Well, that's great. That's a great dynamic to have though in your household, isn't it? It is. It's very fun. And yeah, I mean, in our household, it's, it's really cool because now that she has kind of been removed a little bit from the playing side of things, she has a different perspective. So she's in the stands so she can see, you know, what's going on on the field where sometimes I can't see things. And so when I get home and she's like, did you notice this, this, and this? And she's fantastic at picking um, catchers and picking pitchers. I'm terrible at it. (laughs) And she'll tell me, we'll get home. She goes, just watch what so-and-so is doing. And you might be able to like pick up what's happening. I'm like, damn, how did you know that? But she's been like that with baseball catchers too. So my, my sister um, is married. So I guess my brother-in-law, um, he's a catcher for the Orioles. And in the beginning of his career, when he was in the minors, he was playing in North Carolina a lot. And she could, we would go to the games and she could see what the catchers were doing and pick up pitches. Really? That kind of stuff. Yes. It's, I don't even have words for it. It's crazy because in my head, I'm like, I don't even, I'm so bad at picking pitches of any type. I wish I was better at it, but I'm not. Yeah. And but she sees those things and, and she just comes from just a good, a good place in her life. And she was taught by coach P uh, at UNC and, uh, we call her DJP here in the house, but <laughs> DJP is amazing. And, and I think her and coach Candrea started coaching, um, at Arizona and UNC at the same time. And so it just goes to show the loyalty and what they bring to the table in terms of their teams, not just softball, but what they bring in terms of being a role model to their players. Right. Absolutely. Well, Taryn, I got to thank you for coming on the podcast. This is this has been an awesome episode, like uh, absolutely awesome. Um, I hope I didn't talk your ear off. Oh no, not at all. I I love I love when we go over an hour. This this is great content right here. But uh, I need to uh, thank you for coming on. Um, I wish you the most success at Arizona. I I hope I'm watching you guys play for a national title here in 2021. Mark that on your calendar. I'm, I'm marking it right now. That's the plan. That's the plan every year. But <laughs> this year, we've got a good chance. That's awesome. Well, no, I uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. All right, Darren. Take care. <laughs> All right. Have a good night.
but I don't trust the soul People pulling on my strings like it's a puppet show For anybody I don't know, leave me the fuck alone Cause I ain't comfortable to be in crowds like a buffalo Wait Looking at your picture like what's real or not Too many filters on your face, baby, peel it off Always gotta take a smell of what that dealer brought They say it's skunk marijuana when it's bunk marijuana We don't jump when you wanna, best believe it, leave it They'll break bread with you, then double cross you like Jesus Oh, we used to say don't believe it till you see it But nowadays even seeing it don't guarantee it, I don't trust Cause I've been had a couple times, I'ma say it first My ex-girl cheated on me, I was out the door My next girl had to prove that she was out for more Wait, you talk a lot of game, but we just don't believe you You need to tighten up your lips, baby, do some kegels I ain't your boy, I ain't your friend, you need to tell your people